What's up, you guys? Sauce Lab Podcast is back, baby. Week one of NFL football is officially in the books. It was one of the best weekends that I can remember. I had so much fun sitting on a couch and watching football for the entire day. It was spectacular. The Thursday night game was great. Almost everything on the slate on Sunday was great. I'm excited for the game tonight. Really, everything's going fantastic in the NFL. And I really want to dive in and just break it down and break down how amazing of a weekend it is and how amazing next one's going to be. I'm really excited. Things have been looking fantastic. A lot of the storylines that I've predicted are looking like they're going to come to fruition. A lot of the ones that I predicted look like they're about to go to shit. Who knows? Today, we're going to be jumping into my week one recap or like a roundup of sorts, where I just break down everything that happened in the week. I have a whole format that I'm going to go week by week, and I'm going to just say who the best players were. You'll hear it very soon. Then I'm going to also say some of the biggest power ranking movers after this week, players who either, or teams that either went down in the power rankings or went up in the power rankings. And then if we have time left, I might throw in an extra story. I'm going to see what how much time we have left. So we're going to get right into the week one review. This was a fantastic week, like I just said. We're going to start off with the best game of the week. In my opinion, the best game of the week was the Buccaneers versus the Cowboys on Thursday night football, where the Buccaneers just barely got it out above the Cowboys 31-29. to This game was an offensive masterpiece. There was seven, I think seven guys, who wildly outperformed their fantasy expectations, who lit it up on the field. Really, the only players that didn't were Mike Evans and that's about it. So the players that completely wildly outperformed their fantasy output were both of the quarterbacks. Dak Prescott in his first game back from his injury looked fantastic. Looks like that offense, regardless of a W or an L, he's going to put up 350 passing yards and three touchdowns basically every single game, just because that's what the game script really calls for. Plus they have those three receivers, All three, I think, played above expectations. Amari Cooper, top three fantasy wide receiver of the entire week. CeeDee Lamb really showing that this year could be his breakout year. He obviously wasn't the highest beneficiary on his team, but he still had a fantastic output. That touchdown and that very late grab in the fourth quarter really proved to me that he's good. And then even though Michael Gallup is out, Michael Gallup had a really good game as well. And on the Buccaneers side, Chris Godwin was incredible. Antonio Brown, I think that that prediction that I said Antonio Brown leads the Buccaneers in PPR points, I'm really loving it. It looked like he was the Steelers 2016-2017 Antonio Brown who was lighting up the league and with the best quarterback who clearly has not lost a step, he is doing so incredible and he is going to continue to do so incredible. And then another performance that I was just not anticipating whatsoever was Rob Gronkowski, Brady's former teammate on New England, you guys obviously all know that, had an unbelievable game. He was looking fantastic in the red zone. I think he had two touchdowns and he was looking like that big body receiver that Mike Evans was, but I guess that Gronk is now filling that role. I'm really not too sure. Based on what the output showed, it seems like Rob Gronkowski can now definitely be a viable starting tight end for fantasy football. And I'm really excited for what the entire Buccaneers offense is going to do going forward. The Buccaneers defense definitely played well. They held Ezekiel Elliott to a very, very, very small yard total. He did not have the type of carries to sustain high yardage, 
but the Buccaneers' defense really game-scripted against the run and did well in that. They were not fantastic in the passing game. Sean Murphy bunting obviously went down with an injury, but I think Carlton Davis played a very, very good game. Same with Levante David. Vita Vea looked unstoppable at some points. And as sad as it is to say, the Cowboys' defense really does seem like they still have a ton of holes, and if there's going to be anything that holds that team back from making it far in the playoffs or even making it to the playoffs completely, it's 100% going to be on that defense and not on the offense. Next, we've got the Offensive Players of the Week. This one, I chose two players who just did fantastic this week, who really lit it up, who showed up when it was necessary. Number one is a guy that looked spectacular, that looked like an MVP candidate, and that is Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. That man literally has a Madden escape artist in real life. What he's able to do outside of the pocket, moving around, he looks like a little shifty point guard who's like got dribble moves and he's literally crossing people up yet steps back and passes he's not only running he looked fantastic in the air fantastic on the ground even though he had one interception that really wasn't even on him he looked so so good this week to go along with their defense that looked so so incredible i'll get to that a little bit later for sure but that offense he Form the connection with Christian Kirk. The DeAndre Hopkins toe-tap catch was fantastic. Chase Edmonds looked like he was pretty solid. The offensive line definitely held up. I mean, Tennessee Titans aren't that stout of an edge-rushing group, but regardless, they held up on the offensive line, and just his shiftiness and ability to move the defensive formation through his use of his legs and then dotting up above their heads is so vital to the Cardinals winning, and this is clearly shown here and then my other offensive player of the week is a wide receiver my opinion arguably the number one wide receiver in the league and that is Tyree Kill of the Kansas City Chiefs he had a good output but it was really what happened at the end of the fourth quarter where he scored that touchdown was so incredible Patrick Mahomes really is just that guy Tyree Kill I think end up becoming the highest scoring wide receiver of the week in fantasy he really just put together a great campaign and it just goes to show that even though the Chiefs do really only have two great receiving weapons in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Those two are more than able to keep up the entire workload of the Patrick Mahomes offense, of the Chiefs offense. They, If they play how they just played this past game, every single game, both are going to be top four receivers in the league, even if they're already not. I think that both already are top four receivers in the league, and they're just going to prove that this year again and again and again. Great win by the Chiefs. Great playing and speed and incredible performance by Tyreek Hill. Defensive players of the week, I've got two. One is Chandler Jones of the Arizona Cardinals. You knew that one was coming. Five sacks, two forced fumbles, and a defense that just looked so put together and so great. J.J. Watt on one side, Chandler Jones on the other, Isaiah Simmons had a pick, Byron Murphy looked really good, Buda Baker had a couple pass breakups. It really looked like a cohesive unit and that this could be the defense that helps them go very deep into the playoffs, along with Kyler Murray looking as good as he did. It is so pivotal for them to have that defense and that edge rushing group. And next week, I think that they're going into a very favorable matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, who had a really poor offensive line. And if they go out again and Chandler Jones continues to put up those similar sack numbers, obviously I don't think that it's 
right for me to predict that he'll have another five sack game. But if he has two or three, he could really start a defensive player of the year campaign very, very early, especially if that defense stays stout and intact. I'm so excited for what the Arizona Cardinals look like and what Chandler Jones was able to do. And then the other guy that I have is Justin Hollins of the LA Rams. That name might not be familiar to you guys, but it is exactly what I have been preaching through the offseason, that Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and the disruption that those two players alone caused. I watched that Bears game basically fully, and they doubled Aaron Donald or even tripled Aaron Donald on so many plays causing for a shift where obviously when there's three offensive linemen guarding one defensive tackle and they have a five-man rush, it's going to be so difficult for the other two men on the offensive line to hold back four players. That's so hard. And what resulted was Justin Hollins, the edge rusher for the LA Rams, having an incredible game accounting for two sacks, a forced fumble, a run stuff, and eight total tackles all accounted in that one game against the Bears. He looked fantastic. The entire defense looked very, very put together. And I think that the Bears offense looked inept. I think that it's a little bit of both. I don't think that the Rams defense is the number one defense in the league or number two. But they're 100% top five. And they 100% played a really shitty offense who had a bad starting quarterback. Justin Fields did look more explosive. But even so, I think that putting him in right now is only going to put him in a very bad situation and have him start way too early. And then he's going to get bad reviews because the Bears look so awful around him and then it's going to be on him even though it's not so I think that just keep Andy Dalton for now but that entire offense looked inept that offensive line was terrible and Justin Hollins really feasted I'm really hoping that this guy could continue to work off of what he just did in that first game similar to like I said Sebastian Joseph Day Taylor Rapp looked very good too another guy that I was very high on in that game but if like Rapp And Hollins can look very good, similar to how Sebastian Joseph Day, Darius Williams were last year, or Leonard Floyd, they revitalized his career, or something like that. I'm really even more excited for the LA Rams than I already was. So with my next award, I'm going to be doing Best Fantasy Player of the Week. Best Fantasy Players... So I have two, and that's they wildly overperformed what their expectation was. Number one was Debo Samuel for the San Francisco 49ers, a guy that I thought was going to be way overlooked in this offense. I know that it was the Detroit Lions, so if there's ever a time that somebody's able to go off in a random game, it would probably be against a team like the Lions, who have a very bad defense. But I thought that it would be the Ayuk show and the Kittle show, and both of them really didn't show up at all. And Debo instead had, I think it was around six or seven receptions. He had one that broke away for 80 yards. The extreme speed that he brings to the table is so hard to guard. And that resulted in, I think it was around a 35, 36 point fantasy week, which was incredible. I'm buying into him as a talent, but I still think that Ayuk and... George Kittle are the one and two on this team. And then even they still showed that even when Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon are out, they're still that run first team. And they made Elijah Mitchell a 100-yard rusher. He's actually a guy that I really think that you guys should pick up. But I'll get into him later for sure. But in that offense, 
clearly Debo really just shined as the number one option. And I think that going forward, you can move him a little bit up your fantasy rankings. And I think that if he continues to put up production similar to this, they're going to have one of the best passing attacks once Trey Lance comes in. Having the ability to go to Ayuk, a really, really good-looking Debo or Kittle. Like, they all just are going to feed off of each other. Like I said, the speed is so insane, for sure. And the other one who I already talked about was Rob Gronkowski. Looked amazing in the red zone. Looked like Brady's favorite target on the whole team. I mean, I I would actually argue Antonio Brown looked like the favorite target. But Gronk clearly looked like he was getting in the mix. We also know, before I get my hopes too high on any one performance on the Buccaneers, that Brady loves to throw the ball around to different positions, get everyone really involved. Even though Mike Evans barely got involved, LOL. He's still is getting the ball to everybody. So I wouldn't count that Gronk is going to continuously have these above 20 type games. He'll definitely have some low, some high, some low, some high. But as of right now, that was the best tight end of the week, in my opinion. With my next award, I am going to be doing the biggest injury of the week, and that one I'm going to be giving to Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos. It really seems like his injury is going to be very serious. Even though they got the dub, he had, I think, six, seven receptions before he went down, but that one looks like it could be a season ender, sadly. There was another couple guys that definitely could have been on this list. Mekhi Becton of the New York Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick is one that really, really hurts, and he actually was just placed on the IR this morning, so it seems like that might be a season ender for him as well. But with the high expectations of what Judy was going to do, I had to give him this award because it's really going to hurt the Denver Broncos offense that he's not in it to command those targets. Cortland Sutton didn't look incredible, but I really liked what I saw out of KJ Hamler, out of Tim Patrick, out of Noah Fant. And especially what I saw out of Teddy Bridgewater, he really played that game manager role so, so well and didn't do too much, didn't throw too many interceptions, and got the W over the Giants. I think a lot of it could also be attributed to the Broncos' defense and the ineptitude of the Giants' offense and how shitty Daniel Jones looked and how shitty that offensive line looked. But regardless, Jerry Judy is going to really hurt the Denver Broncos being out for however long he's out. We're going to hopefully hear about that very soon. But that is my biggest injury of the week. team that I'm starting to buy is the Arizona Cardinals. They looked incredible. Like I said, the on the offense, Kyler Murray hitting on all cylinders. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Andy Isabella, Rondale Moore, really everyone contributed in some way on the offense. Kyler Murray benefiting the most off of it, really looking like he's about to start his MVP campaign. And on the defense, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones held down the edge rushing duties. Isaiah Simmons looked amazing in the middle of the field flying around. Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, I think they might need a better cornerback too if I'm really going to completely quote-unquote buy them. But that is a team that I think looked really good. And the team that I'm starting to sell is the Green Bay Packers. I have no idea what that was by the Green Bay Packers losing to the New Orleans Saints 3-38 to in what was likely one of the worst games of Aaron Rodgers' career. The entire offense looked like they could never get anything started, which is so weird to say about a team that has always had such a efficient, such a consistent offense that always just drives down, puts points on the board, regardless of whether it's 3 or 7. 
They always seem to put points on the board, yet this game, they just really could not get anything started. Rodgers threw two picks, which I think was the first game in a very, very long time that he's thrown two picks. He did not look good, and it really just goes to show on the other side that Sean Payton and a Sean Payton system will not do bad regardless of who the receivers are, regardless who the backup running back is, regardless of the health of the tight ends, regardless of all that, a Sean Payton-led team, an offense will score five touchdowns with Jameis Winston, and the defense will really step up when necessary. Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Demario Davis, Marcus Williams, even though Marshawn Lattimore had a finger problem, I think he like injured his finger, but even regardless of that, they still played exceptionally on defense they played exceptionally on offense and that Saints team looked really good and I'm really worried for the Packers I'm gonna get into that one a little bit later too so I'm gonna talk about that later random new hot take that I'm believing the Houston Texans are this year's Jacksonville Jaguars and that Houston Texans one win will be their only win of the season surprisingly when I did my schedule picks I actually had the Houston Texans winning this game and then losing out the entire rest of the season so I was actually correct and I hope to continue to be correct in that they will continue to do bad I think Tyrod Taylor really actually looked pretty decent and then he had something to prove but I think they just played a really 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 inept football team in the Jacksonville Jaguars Trevor Lawrence's first start he has no traction in the NFL nothing to really work off of the defense looked horrible for the Jacksonville Jaguars and really if they want to have success with Trevor Lawrence they got to really turn that around very very quick but regardless just the Texans even though they did get the win the pretty resounding win that was over before it even started I just do, still don't like their team, still don't like the roster. I think that players overperformed in a situation where they were able to, and next week when they go up against a much, much, much harder opponent, it's going to be hard for them to get any traction whatsoever, and they're going to go 0-16 for the rest of the season. And then now, for the last thing of the past week, I'm going to be doing the top five storylines that I'm going to take away from this week. Some of them I'm going to get really into, but some of them I'm not because I've already talked about it. Number one, what the hell is Green Bay doing? It was a question that we all were wondering while we watched Aaron Rodgers fail to show up in his quote-unquote last dance season. I really am not even sure. I've been trying to weigh out. Do you think that this is, like, do I think that this is something that really came from Aaron Rodgers and the whole fiasco that happened in the offseason? Or the Saints just really showed up and this isn't a sign of things to come? What I honestly think is that this is still the same team that went far, and they still will go far, regardless of what they showed in week one, but it was it definitely had a very uneasy feeling when they put in, a, especially, this is the thing that frustrated me the most, when they put in Jordan Love at the end. They know who they're dealing with. They know their starting quarterback just left for the entire offseason. Regardless of whether they're losing or not, if there's anybody that you want in the entire world to pull you out of that hole, it's the GOAT, arguably the GOAT talent quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers, a guy that can just sling it and move you down the field and get you points quick, quick, quick. But when they put in Jordan Love, and I saw that screen of him talking, of Aaron Rodgers talking to Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the side, like all whispering under their 
plates, I'm like, he's out of there. And I really do think that if this storyline continues, there is a chance that Aaron Rodgers is gone by week eight. He forces his way out. He says that this is not the team that he signed up for. This is not the team that he wanted to come back and play one last year on. This is not what he expected it was going to be. And he's going to request that he be traded immediately or he won't play. Don't know how much leverage he has in that. Don't know how much that's going to find him. But I think that that is a very big possibility. Especially, like, you know, Jordan Love is the one that got Aaron Rodgers so mad. I know that he's not mad at Jordan Love. But the front office putting in and drafting Jordan Love is what disgruntled him in the beginning. And then at the end of the game, they put in Jordan Love when they have signed Blake Bortles. And they're like, he's not even ready to step in an NFL game. And then in week one, he's stepping in. Like, it's just so much that I feel like they have to know how angry they're getting their starting quarterback and why would you want to do that especially if he's coming back for this quote-unquote last dance underdog mentality chip on my shoulder I'm gonna go out and win it when nobody expects me to type mentality you want to push that push that offense keep them up you don't pull them out for the same guy that just got him so angry at your front office just the entire situation really doesn't make sense and I'm hoping that this storyline will be inexistent by next week and the Packers really prove me wrong but if it continues, then it's something to really, really, really look into. Number two, I've already talked about this one, but Kyler Murray is beginning his MVP campaign. This is what the beginning of an MVP season looks like. This is what we saw out of Lamar. This is what we saw out of Mahomes. Just a resounding, huge point differential performance where he looks like he just knows where the quarterback Kyler Murray in this instance, obviously, is doing everything, basically looking like he knows what the defense is going to run and doing exactly the opposite, which is exactly how you start off an MVP campaign. He's so young, has DeAndre Hopkins, has this offense at his fingertips. I also really like the play calling from Cliff Kingsbury as well. I think that that really helped. I want to see them go up against a much better defense than the Tennessee Titans for me to really solidify this. But I think that the campaign has begun. We can at least start to say Kyla for MVP and not be looked at with crazy eyes. Number three, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. This man... Age is not a factor. I know that it's restated every single year, but every time that I see it, I need to re-say it because it is so facts that regardless of how old he is, regardless of who his weapons are, regardless of who the coach is, whatever, you give him the ball with two, three minutes left in the game and you say, go drive down and get us into field goal range to score this game winner, he's going to do it. Always. He had that reception to Chris Godwin. I do not think that, that was a push-off because he never fully extended his arm, at least in the camera angle that I saw. So I think that that was a completely fair catch. He put the ball right where it needed to. He was dotting up the field the entire game. And I think that it is still 100% fair to say Buccaneers to the Super Bowl is still at atop the NFC for sure, especially with how the Packers looked. The only team that really, in my opinion, could give them a serious run for their money after the Packers just shot their bed is the LA Rams, who looked very, very good last night as well. But right now, Buccaneers, what they were able to do against that high scoring offense like the only problem with Tom Brady were those two picks that 100% were based on the running back so I can't even fault him for that and regardless of that he had what four touchdowns and like 350 yards and the winning drive like he is still unreal he is still the guy that we all know he is the goat Tom Brady number four like I just mentioned 
the Matthew Stafford X Sean McVay experiment looks like it is going to work perfectly. What Sean McVay was able to cook up on the offensive scheme side with the keeping the ball short and having the aggressiveness of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup fighting for extra yards and then just all of a sudden you fake that, unleash it, play action down the field to Van Jefferson or the same thing, unleash it down the field to Deshaun Jackson or that long one to Cooper Cup. I think that was more blown coverage than really Matthew Stafford being so good. I think Matthew Stafford just looked down the field, saw his man just in an island by himself and just tossed it. But that Van Jefferson play, I saw it all draw up. The entire defense pulled to the side that they wanted. Stafford ran that way, turns quickly, scrambles out of the pocket, and launches down to Van Jefferson, who had an amazing catch, got back up, and scored the touchdown. What this Rams offense is going to be able to do, what this Rams team is going to be able to do, I've preached that those two guys on the defense can make everybody else step up. They have a great like scheme for that defense. I'm really excited for that. And then on offense, it is over. The only thing that I really don't like about the offense is that they were really bad at getting the running game started, and it really took the, towards the end of the game for them to actually get some good rushing yards. But regardless of that, they can still just, they have great passing attack in the medium, the short, and the long. So I am not too worried about their offense whatsoever, even without the concerns of the running game. So that is it for what happened last week. I'm now going to get into my predictions for next week. I actually did not make predictions for the first week. There were a couple locks that I had had, and I'll name them to you, but I mean, I didn't have them recorded anyway, any place. So you are just going to have to take my word for the fact that I did these and I wrote these down before Thursday. So far, I am off to a resounding start with a 3-0 record. In the first slot, I took the Seahawks over the Colts. I gave a score, but I think that the score really doesn't matter. The score is only to get it exact. I didn't get any of the scores correct, so I just won't name them. But I said the Colts would lose to the Seattle Seahawks, which ended up coming true. I said that the Detroit Lions would lose to the San Francisco 49ers, ended up becoming true. And I said... The Rams would beat the Bears, which is also true. So, so far, I am three for three at predicting my quote-unquote locks of the week. And now I'm going to go into my roundup or the prediction for next week, and including my locks that I'm very confident in. So the player to start this week in fantasy first for next for this coming week is Elijah Mitchell, the rookie for the San Francisco 49ers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Even though the Philadelphia Eagles looked pretty solid this game, I think it was just because of the inept of the Falcons offense and how bad they were on that side of the ball really didn't come from the Eagles really stepping up or being so amazing they just did what they needed to do and the Falcons really couldn't get anything started so the Eagles really have a poor run defense in my opinion and then if even Trey Sermon comes back last week Elijah Mitchell had so much explosiveness that touchdown that he scored on he just burst through the backside on the outside zone run looked so so good looked very quick lucky enough I actually have him in my dynasty league which I was very excited to see that he was going off and he is the guy that I have already got on my roster 
But like I was saying, regardless of whether Trey Sermon comes back or not, I think that Mitchell has really carved out the number one in this workhorse backfield in such an efficient running scheme like I've been preaching. They're playing a bad defense, and I think that he will go for at least 15 fantasy points this week against the Eagles. And then a player that I think that that you should sit this week is actually Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts against the LA Rams. The LA Rams, a very stout run defense. Obviously, Aaron Donald causing so much pressure in the middle. He only had 17 carries on an average of 3.3 yards per carry, which is really bad just in general. Naheem Hines took nine carries and Marlon Mack took four carries as well. So that makes the split 17 to 11, which is really not that big of a difference. So I think that they might expand the role for the backups even more, especially against a really, really good run defense like this, just showing them different looks. So I think John Taylor could ultimately get like 12, 13 rushes or carries the entire game. And if he goes by that 3.3 yards per carry, unless he scores a touchdown is really not going to be so beneficial for your fantasy team so i'd say he is my biggest sit for this week against the la rams a group that i think will disappoint this week just based on their matchup is the giants passing game versus the washington football team Last week, they looked awful against the Denver Broncos defense, who is basically on the exact same level of the Washington football team, if not even worse. So they're getting to go against a better defense with their quarterback already looking like he has the same struggles that he had last year. Their receivers really not being able to get great separation whatsoever. And an offensive line that really looked like the number one worst offensive line in the entire league. They were all turning styles for the Denver Broncos to just get pressure consistently on Daniel Jones, and I think that it's only going to be harder for him in week two. He could already be looking to be moved or whatever very early on in the season just because of their early schedule. It is what it is. I really think that the Giants passing game is going to be bad this week. And then a group that will shine is, I think, the Patriots pass rush against the New York Jets is going to be very, very good. What I saw last week from the New York Jets... I liked what I saw out of Zach Wilson, but especially their offensive line looked horrible, and that was before the Makai Becton injury, and now he's going to be missing four to six weeks. I am really nervous for this offensive line, and if they are not able to make some really, really quick improvements, they are going to be, Zach Wilson and the entire Jets organization is going to be screwed, and they could have another Sam Darnold situation on their hands, so I think they really need to step that up quick, but you can't do that in one game, and the Patriots pass rush was not unreal. I mean, the Dolphins line didn't look amazing. They didn't have sack numbers over the charts, but they were definitely getting the pressures that were necessary. I think I could definitely see Matt Judon going for two, three sacks this game against the Jets, and I'm really, I'm not excited to see it because I am a New York Jets fan, but I do think that they are going to excel against backup tackles and guards that are top three worst in the league. And then I'm going to pick, last but not least, three locks for this coming week. I've got number one, the 49ers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-10. Number two, the Arizona Cardinals beat the Minnesota Vikings 33-22. And number three, the Chiefs beat the Ravens 24-20. The Chiefs one, I haven't seen the Ravens play yet. That one is starting tonight. That game is not starting tonight. That game is tonight. And I'll have analysis of that in my next episode because I film these on Mondays. 
but I'm still confident just what I saw in the Chiefs, that they'll keep it close, they'll keep it to a one-possession game, Lamar will look solid, and then at the very end in the fourth quarter, like they did all last year and like they just did in week one this year, they're going to just pull away at the very end and get the W for sure. Cardinals beat the Vikings. Vikings looked very bad against the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Exactly what I thought. Their defense really does look like Swiss cheese. I think the Bengals' offense is underrated, but I really think that it's like I've been saying on the podcast, too. I just want to say a lot of these stuff I really did predict and I thought would come to fruition, and it did. The Minnesota Vikings' defense really does not look good whatsoever, and I think that a guy who just had an MVP-type performance going against a defense that really did not look good, they will definitely get the W. And the 49ers, even though they made it a game at the very end, they were able to score 40-some points so quickly and so early on that I'm like, this is the 49ers that I remember. The same team that went to the Super Bowl and played the Chiefs and lost. But now that they have everybody back, and with the in and out of Garoppolo and Lance, I actually do like that. I think that it really throws the defense off. It's so hard to scheme against, especially because it's not like Lance only singularly runs. I think that when they like bring Taysom Hill in in packages for the New Orleans Saints, you know it's going to be a run because he's so bad in the passing game. But Trey Lance stepped up. I remember did his first completion. He did like one step. And the entire defense like froze thinking that he was about to take off and then just looked to the side and dotted him up and got a completion. So I think that if they can continue to work off of that, the Niners will be even better. Even though the Eagles got a win, I'm still not confident that they're going to continue to get wins. I was not high on them as a team in general, and I don't think that they will continue to be that good. So I have the 49ers being the Eagles pretty resounding by 17, 27 to 10. And now with the last segment of the podcast, I am going to be giving you the three biggest risers and the three biggest fallers on my power rankings list. I'm not going to release my official power rankings yet because I'm still editing it, but I'm going to do the three teams that had the most incremental jump and the three teams that had the smallest or that had the biggest incremental downfall. So the number one team that took the biggest jump from 21 to 11 is the Pittsburgh Steelers with their win over the Buffalo Bills. Even though I really didn't love how Ben Roethlisberger played, Najee Harris was pretty inefficient depending on how many snaps he played. Uh, The wide receivers all played good, but nothing exceptional. It was really that defense reassuring me that they are that defense. They're the team to beat. The TJ Watt pass rush is elite. Joe Hayden looked fantastic in coverage. Minka looked very good. Just a lot of moving pieces that were working really well together. And I thought that the Steelers were originally like a fringe out of the playoffs team. But now I think that they're back in the playoff conversation, back in the playoff bubble for sure. Number two was the Arizona Cardinals moving from 10 to 5. That one I had already explained, but I'm really confident in what the Cardinals are going to be able to do this year. And then number one, or the number three biggest incremental jump was the Seattle Seahawks going from 14 to 9 with a plus 5 incremental jump. That was another thing similar to the Steelers, a team that I was a little bit lower on just because they have an older quarterback, a scheme that didn't really work out last season, a defense that had some question marks, but based on what they did against the Colts, the fully healthy Colts, don't forget, uh, they are amazing team. Their defense really wasn't that amazing, but we weren't really expecting them to be that good. I think it's still the Russell Wilson show. Russell Wilson will continue to still cook with Tyler Lockett. Chris Carson looked incredible. He looked like he had so much power and yards after the first hit. 
just in him. He looked really good. The O-line definitely needs to step up, but that was a very resounding win, and it made me very confident in the team. And then now the three biggest teams that took the biggest drop because of their performance, that was the Washington football team, who I had originally had at 11 go down to 19, dropping eight spots. That was because of their L against the Los Angeles Chargers. But the biggest reason why I'm dropping them is because of the Fitzpatrick injury, the Curtis Samuel injury, the... Sam, uh, um, for Sam Cosme, I think was the one that got injured on that team. It was a lot of depletion on the offensive side. And then even though the defense was good, they still did get picked apart a little bit. I know that it's Justin Herbert, an MVP candidate type guy, and their offensive line looked really good, but that defensive line was supposed to be the far, by far the best. And they really didn't do that much in the pressure department. I think that the Chargers also upgraded their line really, really well. But that's why they took that big of a jump. Also, I had the Green Bay Packers, obviously. You guys had heard me say it before. What the fuck are they doing? Uh, It is a very big incremental jump as well, going from where I'd originally ranked them was 6, and now that I have them down at 15, so that is a drop of 9, which is very, very big. Aaron Rodgers' worst performance. Defense did not look equipped. Everyone on offense did not look ready. It just did not look like the same team that we saw last year. And then the other biggest drop was the Buffalo Bills in their loss to the Steelers went from 5 to 12, a minus 7 drop. So all three of them were very, very big losers of the week. I think all three actually have the chance to bounce back easily this coming week, but I need to call it like I see it, and I saw three teams that were not ready to beat middling opponents, opponents that should have been on their level. They fell hard to them, so I am going to give them those types of incremental drops, and that is it for the power rankings. And that is all that I have for this week's podcast. It was actually one of the shortest ones that I've had in a really long time, but I think that that's good. I think that it's a good way to start week one. What I honestly might do now is either throwing other stuff into the end of these podcasts, or I just might make two episodes per week, one that's a weekly roundup where I talk about the games from the weekend, and then the other one being more just sport, NFL general NBA, rap, something like that. I also, I continuously say it, but I really want to make a format for TikTok because I think that it's so much easier to blow up and to gain followers on there. So even though I think that this is my main bread and butter, the Sauce Labs podcast on Spotify, not just like little TikTok clips, I think that this is my bread and butter, but that's the way to blow up. So I really am going to start to churn out some of those. So make sure that you follow on there. Make sure that you stay up to date with all of my updates on all of my everything, because I think that a lot of the stuff that I've been saying, uh, the only one that I'm really now starting to get a little bit weary of is the Washington football team after just losing Ryan Fitzpatrick. But you guys know that I'm still very confident in Taylor Heineke, and I'm still very confident in that defense of that one. I'm still feeling pretty good about. But really everything else, like my picks that Deami Brown and Terrence Marshall would look good is starting to come true. Kyler Murray in an MVP campaign is starting to look right. Minnesota Vikings defense isn't good. Bengals offense will be. Titans will be pretty middle and not so explosive like everybody said. A lot of the stuff that I've really been predicting I think has been coming true and looks like it's going to continue to come true. So I'm just going to continue to churn out my predictions and hopefully be right as much as humanly possible. I love you guys so much. I'm so excited for week two of the NFL season. I hope that you guys had a great week one. I hope that you guys feasted on some wings, feasted on some chose. 
uh, and just had a great week. I'm so excited to talk to you guys next week. Have a great one. Peace out.